Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union. What? That's true. Yeah, they're sponsors now. And Chicago Reader, chicagoreader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what kind of cannabis to smoke. It's true. They talk about that, too. And so much more, including political columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky, Chicago Reader. Subscribe, chicagoreader.com. And if you want to help out this program, you can. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky, J-O-R-A-V as in victory, S-K-Y. You can become a binhead. Find out more information, ChicagoReader.com. It is Thursday, July 15th. And yes, still live from my apartment and his attic, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, we welcome back Lisa Solomon of the Chicago Reader, and it's the return of the wild man. No, not Scott Duff, the other wild man, Mark Sims. And now your host, the wild man, <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this exciting news Thursday. And here's why. Lots of exciting news in the newspaper. Tommy Shuba, shout out to T- young Thomas from the Sun-Times. He had a big article. Nicholas Fandis in the New York Times, never met him. But let's give him a shout out anyway, D, all right? Woo-woo, shout out to Nicholas ah, Fandis. Shout out. Ah. <laughs> I heard Nicholas Fandis is a real wild guy. I don't know. That's what I heard. I just made that up. I have no idea. Never even heard of the guy today until I saw his byline. Here's a headline from the New York Times. Schumer will propose legislation to federally decriminalize marijuana. Legalize everywhere, jumping for joy. Yay, wee! Unfortunately, I was not jumping with them. Call me cynical, call me jaded, call me Mr. Skepticism, call me a guy who spent too much time covering Chicago politics, but two code words in the headline that told me this proposal probably won't go anywhere. Code word one, proposal. As in, it's an idea he's throwing out there, but probably won't pass. Code word two, decriminalize. It's got to be the wimpiest world in the world, wimpiest word in the world when it comes to marijuana. It should be legalized. If it's not legalized, what's the freaking point? All right, let's break it down, ladies and gentlemen. Charles Schumer is, of course, the senior senator from New York, the state of New York. He's also the Democratic leader of the Senate. That's opposed to Nancy Pelosi, who's a congresswoman from California, who's the leader of the House. I know you all know this, but what? just in case there's a rookie out there who's new to the game of politics to know that there was a leader of the House, not a leader of the Senate. (laughs) As leader of the Democrats in the Senate, Charles Schumer's chief concern is remaining a leader of the Senate. As such, he must make sure that his Democrats hold the majority in the Senate. And right now, that's a very tenuous hold. It's actually a 50-50 tie with the tie-breaking vote cast by Vice President Kamala Harris. If Charles Schumer loses one Senate seat in the 2022 elections... 
he loses the Senate. So this is a tightrope that he is walking if he wants to hold on to his political power. And ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you right now, Charles Schumer's chief purpose in life is to hold on to his political power. Now, let's get back to marijuana, reefer, cannabis, whatever you want to call it. Legalizing marijuana is exceedingly popular throughout the country. According to the New York Times story I read, and this supports everything I've known for months and months and months, recent public opinion polls suggest that 70% of Americans support legalizations. That's not 70% of liberal Americans. That's not 70% of Ben Jarofsky show Americans. No, that's 70% of Americans, as in MAGA is part of that. 70%, ladies and gentlemen, you cannot find 70% of Americans who agree on anything. But they agree on legalizing reefer. Furthermore, states all over the country have already legalized it. 37, to be exact, for medicinal use. And eight, by the way, we'll talk about wimpy. It's legal for medicinal use, but not recreational. I love that. The distinction, this is all part of the game. The distinction between recreational and medicinal. Anyway, it's legalized for recreational use in 18 states, plus the District of Columbia. Recreational use. Like you're going to smoke a joint and throw a Frisbee. And all of those states that have legalized it are keeping it legal. They're not, they're not about to unlegalize it at any given time because it's a money maker. Millions and millions of dollars of cannabis sold every year. Lisa Solomon knows this. She knows this. She's coming on in a little while. She knows this. With taxes fortifying state coffers that might otherwise be broke. So they're not giving it up. Here in Chicago, Mayor Lori Lightfoot and the Chicago City Council, they're so desperate for the tax on reefer that they're borrowing against it. The money hasn't even come in yet, and we're already spending it. I would argue that politicians are more addicted to spending money than they are to anyone who's addicted to smoking marijuana. Back to Charles Schumer. The greater problem is that cannabis is illegal on the federal level, which causes all kinds of hangups on the local level. For instance, Lisa Solomon just told me this today, and I hadn't thought about it until she told me. One state can't sell to another state. So let's say Indiana legalizes reefer tomorrow, which is exceedingly unlikely because the Yahoos are on that state. But let's just say they do. And they have no growth facilities to grow the stuff. They can't buy it from Illinois because of federal laws. You can't cross state lines. And it's harder for dispensary owners to find banks that deposit their money. And there are still people locked up in federal prison for trafficking. And people like Shikari Richardson can't compete in the Olympics because she tests positive, which I realize has to do with violating International Olympic Committee rules, not federal government rules. But the two are connected in that they're vestiges of the old demon weed reefer madness myths that have not died or and are showing surprising resiliency in part. Because they feed this notion that marijuana is somehow or other connected to the subterranean anti-American cult of radical leftists who want to turn us into Cuba. I know, I know, it's one giant, exceedingly irrational mixed metaphor and none of it makes sense. But the political reality is this. A Democratic senator who favors legalization will be labeled as a subversive who's weak on crime. And he or she will get hammered by her, her, his or her law and order Republican opponent. And if it's a close state, they won't want to champion any issue that might cause them any votes because every vote is precious. 
So there's some Democrats who will never vote for legalization because they're too chicken. Case in point, Senator Gene Shaheen, Democrat from North New Hampshire, quoted in the New York Times story, and I quote, quote, there is still not enough data on marijuana use and whether this is a gateway drug in my mind to be able to make a decision to legalize it. Gateway drug. Talk about code words. I haven't heard gateway drug in a, I mean, does people even think of marijuana as a gateway drug to what? I mean, it's like you, if you end up addicted to some horrific painkiller, it's not because you smoked marijuana when you were in eighth grade, folks. It's so ludicrous. Everybody knows it's ludicrous. And yet these myths hold on. So I don't think we're going to find enough Republicans to overcome the Democrats who won't vote for legalization, let alone the Republicans will need to override the veto if Schumer's, uh, if the Republicans decide to uh, filibuster the bill, excuse me, to override the filibuster. Uh, Even though legalization is also a libertarian issue, as in liberty from tyrannical dictatorships, somehow when it comes to legalization, you can't find hardly any Republicans to stand for liberty, even though they're supposed to be the party of libertarians which is part of the reason I say libertarians are the biggest frauds in America, another subject for another time. So here's the deal. My bet is that Charles Schumer has introduced the bill to get people like me excited and to get people like me to think that Democrats really care about them, but that that bill won't go anywhere. It's sort of like the elected school board bill from Chicago, which year after year until recently would pass one house Die in the other. Pass the Senate, die in the House. Pass the House, die in the Senate here in the state of Illinois. Somehow or other, no matter how many people said they were for it, how many senators or or reps voted for it, it didn't pass. Isn't that funny how that worked? There's a lot of reefer madness in this country, ladies and gentlemen, but the real madness has nothing to do with the actual reefer. We got a great show today, everybody. Lisa Solomon sitting uh, on deck, ready to uh, join us. Mark Sims. Will be joining us uh, really soon. Mark Sims, a good friend of the show, podcaster. Got a lot of interesting things to say about crime in the city of Chicago, about Mayor Lori Lightfoot, a lot of local political talk. Uh, but uh, Lisa wanted to bring you in because yesterday we had uh, Michael Malcolm on the show. And first of all, welcome to the show, Lisa. I, didn't, I shouldn't just assume you you don't need a welcome. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Thank you, Ben. Always happy to be here. Uh, half of my uh, opening rant came from a conversation I had with you earlier in the day, particularly the example of Indiana. So I want to thank you for that. Uh, all right, Lisa, the reason I brought you on the show is because I wanted an update. Uh, we talked about this yesterday with uh, Michael Malcolm. Uh, and uh, finally, the state of Illinois is going to address the inequities of its licensing program. Or somehow or other, uh, black entrepreneurs got left out when it came out to distributing license uh, for the very lucrative business of selling cannabis. I got it right. I know you were worried I was going to say well, reefer, but I got it right. People Go ahead, are calling Lisa. it all sorts of names, so call it what you want. <laughs> but anyway, so did he sign the bill today? I've been uh, in the midst of a lot of show prep, and I've been away from the news. What's the latest? Yeah, the latest is Governor Pritzker started off his day today by signing House Bill 1433, which will release the the lotteries to grant the new uh, retail licenses. That means dispensary licenses. Something I find to be very interesting is that many of us assume the first 75 
to be granted. The ones that should have gone out last year would be the first to be granted. It's very interesting because to deal with some of the inequities in this, they decided to do two more rounds of 55 dispensary licenses from this pool of applicants. So they had the 75 perfect scores. So all of those people are going into one lottery. Then they decided to do another round of 55, lowering the threshold to 85% of the points. That means that anyone who applied and did very well, but does not have a veteran as the majority stakeholder is still eligible to get a license. And then they decided to do another round of 55, where the points that you would get for the social equity portion of the application could only be granted to what many people call true social equity applicants. That means you cannot get your points from the promise to hire clause, which many people refer to as the slave master clause, because that clause says that if you hire people of color from disproportionately impacted areas, that's disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs, you could get your points. Well, that is a load of you know what, because that does not really mean it's an equity application. So what I find to be the most fascinating is those 75 perfect scores are actually the last of these three rounds of licenses to be granted, giving a very, very slight head start to the equity applicants. So on July 29th, people that have at least 85% of the points will be in a lottery round. Mm -hmm. And then the following week on August 5th, that's the round for the true social equity applicants. Two weeks later on August 19th, the first 75 that were supposed to be given out last year will then be selected. There is still some talk that those might be held up with more lawsuits yet to be seen. And another exciting piece of news I read in an email from Grown In, fabulous cannabis newsletter, is that the Illinois Department of Commerce and Economic Opportunity launched a social equity loan program because a big issue we're having here, it costs a fortune to start a cannabis business. You know, you need it probably at least a few million dollars to get through the first three to six months. It's not just the build out, all the cost and support you're going to need for the zoning building out the interior, buying product, but you need operating expenses for a number of months. So they're going to give low interest loans through two different lenders, up to half a million dollars for adult use dispensaries. That's a start. That's not enough to get them through the first three or six months. That might help them get the door open, but they've got salaries to pay, rent to pay, insurance, everything. So that's exciting. And craft grow licenses. 10 days from now, we are expecting to hear everyone who qualified for the lottery to have their name be made public. Notices were sent out today. People have 10 days to confirm that they still want to participate and can move forward with this. And then we get to see who those go to. Supposedly, they're um, primarily people of color in that pool, 67%. So thank you for letting me give that update, Ben. All right. Appreciate that. And uh, yes, uh, Michael Malcolm yesterday was, uh, he did a whole riff on uh, the slave master clause. I was, uh, if anybody missed yesterday's show, I urge everyone to check it out. He was, he was very funny, very ironic uh, about what it means. And um, 
So, yes, the state of Illinois, um, to put it mildly, uh, stumbled out of the starting blocks when it came uh, to this legislation. And now it's two years later almost. Good God, time has flown. Uh, They're trying to correct it. Uh, I'm not quite sure that you mentioned the lawsuits, if it will be fully corrected. Uh, But the, the second problem, and we'll be discussing this probably in future shows, Lisa, is the one that you just alluded to, and that's raising money. Uh, to operate a business. And uh, many of the operators I know are seeking those licenses say they're trying to tag team with well-to-do backers, let's put it that way. Uh, They'll have the license, the backer will put up the money, that kind of thing. It's very expensive. Uh, We all knew this was going to happen in the back of our minds. The cynicism that I expressed at the outset regarding the politics of the federal legislation existed on the local level as well. Uh, But uh, Lisa, I got a feeling... Uh, that we're not done with hearing stories of what inequity, stories of an inability to get money, uh, stories of front operations uh, in the cannabis industry. You agree with me on this? Yes, definitely. So the state put in place one safeguard, and that is that you cannot sell a provisional license. So when these licenses first come out, they're provisional. I'm not sure how long it takes. It might be two years till they convert to a full regular license. However, I don't know if there are systems and safeguards in place to prevent backroom deals, because what most of us would like to see is that these equity license holders actually have a chance at keeping their license if they would like to keep it and operate it. A lot of them have gone into great debt throughout this process and, you know, They've got mortgages, second mortgages to pay off because it cost them a fortune to get the support they needed with the applications. While other states made it really cheap. You fill out a little form, pay a thousand bucks and you can get a license. But that's a whole nother conversation. You've got a lot more to discuss on this show. Yes. So I'll definitely come back. We'll bring on some special guests that have personal experience as really phenomenally successful business owners and with success in the cannabis industry that cannot raise capital because they are a person of color, a woman, and there is a lot of inequity still. All right. Thank you very much, Lisa Solomon. Appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, Mark Sims will be joining us real soon. We're going to take a brief break and return. Mark Sims will be with us. Stick around, everybody. Hey, remember, everybody, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Vinny J bonus interviews, and so much more. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. Or wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Tomorrow, oh, what a week it was. Recapping the week that was in Chicago and or Illinois news. That's going to be tomorrow. But hey, we got a show today. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky show live from his attic. Thank you very much, Dr. D. And your apartment, by the way. Let's not forget oh, it's yeah. live from your apartment, apartment as well. Apartment. Uh, we're waiting for Mark Sims to uh, wait, uh, check in with us. He had checked in with us, uh, Dennis, and then he saw that I was talking to Lisa and he left. I guess he's shy or something. I don't know. He doesn't want to be there. Remember when uh, I should wait for for when he's on to hear this little anecdote. Uh, when he was a guest on our show in the old days when we were in the studio uh, and uh, Lori Lightfoot walked in. Oh, yeah. He's turned <laughs> into a different person. <laughs> Wait, hold on. This could be Mark Sims. Oh, this is awesome. Uh, on your oh, phone, is, not on the... That's why, yeah, here we go. Yeah, Let's just see what he has to say. Hello, Mark. I'm on the air, and you're talking to me on my phone. All right. He, he's, he says he's waiting for uh, the thing to go through. It's spinning around and not letting him go in. Oh, so, interesting. Uh, all right. 
we are live literally right now. We're trying, we're breaking every wall in the business. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. I, my suggestion is to check out and check in again. Dennis yeah. is nodding. It's a head. great suggestion. Yeah. Great yeah. suggestion. So anyway, uh, Mark Sims, a little tef- technical difficulty oh. today, ladies and gentlemen, oh. doing a live podcast every day. Things like this happen. Like sometimes guests who say they're going to show up, don't show up. Uh, <laughs> we'll not name any names. Uh, <laughs> they just don't show up. Where are you, guests? All right. Well, uh, one thing uh, you can mention here to Mark, I noticed he got his show uh, got referenced in Politico, Illinois Politico. Uh, for which interview? Um, can't remember which interview. I'll look that up. But uh, I saw that well, his he was featured in Illinois Politico. I was like, way to yeah. go, Mark. Yeah, no, I, I was going to give him a shout out when he came on and take all the credit for it, uh, which, of course, uh, I don't deserve any of the credit for it. But Mark Sims. Uh, he, Mark Sims had a show on cable, uh, public access TV back in, in the nineties and the O's and he had me on as a guest and I always appreciate him. I say this every time he comes on the air because uh, not a lot of people bring on lefties, uh, like me and just old hippies and <laughs> put them on, you know, it's just not a very popular, uh, viewpoint and he put me on, uh, and I come on the show all the time. And then when the roles were switched and I had a show, I'd bring Mark on and he's, uh, you know, he's a little more conservative than I am in many uh, ways, so it's like a good little counterbalance here. Uh, but uh, he has his own podcast, and his podcast is doing really well. Uh, and um, he just had Neil Steinberg on, the Chicago Sometimes columnist. So I, that may have been the political reference. I don't know, D. I know uh, it was last week. I'll... Uh... I'll be looking for that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, he's still apparently having trouble getting on uh, the fun. show, which is. Uh, he was on. Yeah. I'm going to give folks a little sh- uh, preview of what we're going to talk about tomorrow. Uh, I know what a week last uh, week and you know, oh, what a week. Uh, we had a great time talking about uh, Joe Biden coming to Chicago. Uh, and um, uh, Lord Lightfoot met him at the, uh, at the airport at the tarmac, wherever it was. Uh, and they had a private conf- conversation. And everybody went, what were they saying? What was going on? You know, it was a private conversation. That Chicagoans have this thing like when they're uh, they're very Chicagoans love it when they see uh, their mayor talking to the president. This makes Chicagoans feel very important. We have that second city mentality. I say we, you know, I've like become a Chicagoan over the years. But Chicagoans have that second city mentality. Like we just don't feel well, like, like improv. Pleasure. They're funny. <laughs> No, it's oh. a different second city. Mentality. Who's on first? Uh, <laughs> uh, no, Chicago's got this like uh, inferiority complex. We're not as good as New Yorkers. We're not as good as LA. We're in a flyover country. Nobody pays attention to what it is. Nobody recognizes us. Nobody realizes how great we are. So we're like when a Chicago mayor meets with a president, it's a big deal. Whoa, that makes us all look important. It's like Dennis got to meet with the president. Oh, I don't know. Just because Lori Lightfoot <laughs> That's a Chicago now. Oh, our mayor met with the president. I'll meet with yeah. the president of like the Eagles Lodge in some random town in Illinois someday, I bet. But and, and this is funny. It was even this way when Obama was the president. He came, politically speaking, came from Chicago. You know, he's literally not from Chicago. He just adopted Chicago uh, and found, uh, made it his political home, his political uh, launching pad. All, all he had to do to win over Chicagoans was say, oh, I'm a White Sox fan. They still have his picture at Sox Park, the big picture of Obama throwing out the ball. Obama's like, I was just talking about Mark Simpson's Obama in the back of his mind. Like, look, all these people fawning over him. He must think, my God, there's a lot of suckers in this country. 
I can't believe this. <laughs> they still love me like this. Chicagoans elected Rahm Emanuel for a second term. Three reasons. One, the sweater commercial. They love that sweater commercial. Two, the Rom Love commercials. Remember those, D? Rom Love. He treats me bad, but I love him anyway. <laughs> cool to be kind commercials. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Barack Obama's uh, endorsement uh, brought home all the other. Mark Sims has joined us. <laughs> Mark Sims, who's been. <laughs> Mark Sims, who's run a podcast, uh, who's had his own TV show, but apparently is perplexed and befuddled by the technologies of the day, has finally managed to figure out how to come onto our humble little show, and he has joined us. It's COINTELPRO. They're trying to stop me. They're out to get me. It's a damn conspiracy theory. Well, you're under in your bunker, it looks like, there in your yeah, video, it, so you're, you're hiding out. That's good. Uh, he's in his bunker. So and, how come I'm in this dark space and you guys got a nice <laughs> lighted background? That's what we're wondering. And we're I'm wondering like, that about you. I'm like, dang. <laughs> Dennis noticed I did change his shirt. I got the funky white t-shirt off. <laughs> Dennis, man, you should have smelled the t-shirt when I took it off. No, Maybe I can, I'm going to tell you about breaking news on the Ben Jarofsky show, Mark Sims. Hold on. <laughs> Breaking breaking news in the Ben Jarofsky show is they've we uh, Google Meet we've been discussing this uh, has decided to like do this Zoom thing so we use Google Meet to connect with you as you know Mark and now they put a time limit on it so I'm like I've had about enough of this Google Meet man it's so bogus Bogart we figured out how to do it give Dennis credit he figured out how to to deal Dennis with Dennis is the man yeah hey. no he is the man. without Dennis <laughs> anyway. Um, so I'm thinking of going to another platform. Yep. Mm-hmm. Thinking of going to another platform. And Facebook uh, is going to get you. And, and, oh, that's Amazon. This yeah, is Amazon. That's not. All right, all right. He may get me anyway. He'll but get you uh, anyway. Yeah. Uh, so the other platform would be uh, would actually have a camera that you could see us, and so that means you would have to, you know, get that pizza stain off that shirt the next time you're on the show. All right. Damn so, real. Stand uh, on. All right, uh, Mark Sims has joined us. Thank you very much, Mark Sims. Uh, by the way, so Dennis said you got to mention a shout out of Politico, but he couldn't remember. I got it. I got it here. Oh, okay. Yeah. Go ahead. You didn't. You didn't know that? Yeah, you were on Illinois Politico. It says here uh, your interview with Alex Kotlowitz. Oh, it Alex says here Kotlowitz. journalist author Alex Kotlowitz talks about his craft with podcaster Mark Sims on just a few questions. Oh, I remember the young lady. She sent me that. I, I can't pronounce her name. Oh, I can't. Well. Shia Kapos. Shia Kapos. See, I can't say Shia Kapos. See? You just did. I did. <laughs> oh. You just said it. Um, you sent me something. I said, what, what are you? Are you from the feds? Who, who are you trying to get me? Uh, oh, so man, I, uh, Dennis, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they ain't out to get you. Yeah. Uh, okay. Thank you for that tip. Uh, that'll help me get me through life. So talk a little bit about your Alex Kotlowitz interview. Alex Kotlowitz, of course, a, a very well-regarded author and a movie maker. He's up for an Emmy. Did you know that, Mark Sims? Oh, man, you got the hooker. How do you know that? Because he's your he, buddy, doesn't he? He's your buddy. He, he, yes. Steve James. Steve James. For, yeah. He's up for an Emmy for wow. City So Real. Uh, so Alex Kotlowitz was the executive producer of, of uh, City So Real. In fact, came up with the title. So what did Alex Kotlowitz have to say on your podcast, Mark Simpson? You know, a lot, a lot of, uh, all jokes aside, um, the podcast is, is called Just a Few Questions. Just a Few Questions. You can type it in your computer now. Just a Few Questions. And Or you can see, see me on Twitter, Mark Sim Chicago on Twitter. That's Mark, M-A-R-C-S-I-M-S, Chicago on Twitter. 
and he, man, he's a cool dude. You know, I just try to, I, I just send a bunch of emails out. I just, just sent out to everybody and <laughs> come on the show. And some people say, okay, I'll come on your damn show. Why not? We'll talk for a few minutes, but I'm obsessed with uh, education and crime. And what's the famous book? Alice Cotlewood's wrote years ago. There are no children here or something. Right. Really yes. good book about the old late, great Henry Horner homes, mm-hmm. which are gone now. And, um, he was a cool dude, and it's good. See, it's, it's like I tell people I, off the I talk to my guests off the air sometime, and sometime you know before we go on, after we go on, and I say that when I was a limo driver, I used to talk to see famous people all the time, get a chance to talk to them, like Jeb Bush and Cornel West. The list goes on and on, right? And uh, uh, the, the late great Diane Carroll. Uh, I, mean, I can go on forever. Uh, also, your friend uh, Bill Cosby. You know, let's we'll talk about that some other time, maybe. <laughs> maybe later in the show. <laughs> your buddy, Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> My friend. <laughs> your friend. But the uh, point is that. So I, so I really enjoyed that. So I will hope I can rec- uh, recreate that and talk to famous people, or notable people, through the podcast. And you get lucky. You get some, you know, big names every once in a while, like Kyle West. But I had Mary Patillo on recently. She's phenomenal. Northwestern University professor. I had an Emory University professor, and she talked about um, black love, black women. Black Love, Black Women, America's War on Black Marriage, which is a very good book, but black folks don't want to talk to. She was on both my podcasts. You know that, Dan. The one oh, first time out. We got, okay. <laughs> I didn't think you were going to oh, go here, Mark. You know the podcast, Ben. <laughs> uh, Mark Sims has two podcasts. We've talked about this in the show from time to time. I don't know if he uh, has let the, the cat out of the bag uh, to uh, Alex Kotlowitz or Mary Patillo, but he has two podcasts. And one of them is uh, for members only, if you uh, get my drift. No, no, I told you, the ton of folks get mad at me because I had people like, uh, like I told you before, Paul Vallis and Arnie Duncan on. Oh, you have too many white people on your show. What are you doing? You sell out. You selling your people out. Oh, there's, you know, craziness, which I understand because I was one of those Negroes 20, 30 years ago. I got it. I think I'm grown. You know, very soon I'm going to start my last year in my 50s which is not freaking me out, but I'm not, a, I'm not 29 anymore. You know, people have to understand that, you know, they, when I took, they took away my black card when I wrote for Ron, when I voted for Ron, you know that, but, but the point is that it's called, the other podcast is called 400 plus 400 plus, And it's for the Negroes it's for my people. But then again, I don't really have any people because, <laughs> you know, because people want, you know, it's like African-Americans, African-Americans, they love, I mean, like most people, people are people. We know that, but black folks love music. Sports, religion, mainly church, the church, and food. My pack, my podcast. We don't talk about food, religion, sports, or the church. We just don't. Every once in a while, I talk about church a little bit, but folks get upset if you just you crit- What's the what's the what's the fancy word? Econoclass, right? Yes. I'm not quite an econoclass. I had a bunch of big words here, and I can't find a word. I dropped the damn thing. It's discursive, discursive, right? And that's and that's what I do. What is this like? I hate it right here. Wait, discursive? Isn't that when you uh, write something as opposed to print it? No, that's cursive. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I think I mean discursive means passing aimlessly from one subject to another. That's what I do. Passing aimlessly from one subject to another, which is sort of like digressive. Digressive is t- tending to depart from the subject. 
Now, I do that all the time because I have ADD. That's why I didn't go to college. I'm all over the freaking highway. But I try, I'm on a podcast. I tell, the, tell my people like Alice Kotlowitz and Artie Duncan, I try to say, I talk before the podcast, sometime after the podcast. On the podcast, I shut the hell up because no one's going to hear me. So I just ask a few questions, let the guests talk, and have a nice day. And, but, it's, but it's good to talk to people in person. Well, not really in person. I'm basically going to do one of these videos. Maybe you have to follow in your footsteps, Ben. And I'm trying to depart from getting all your guests because I used to get all your guests because <laughs> I call them back. I've been on your show, Mark. Loser, get the hell away from me. I said it before. <laughs> get the F away from me. Bye. I never want to see you again. So I'm trying to go away from some of your guests. That's why I had a, a Neil Steinberg on. He was good. And a Neil Steinberg is a person I would have probably never talked to. But he's in his early 60s now. I'm in my late 50s. And we're pro for, I'm just guessing, we were both uh, international pricks 30 years ago. As you get older, you sort of mellow out, hopefully, and you're sort of saying, I would love to get younger people on the show, but you know, it's all, it's a, it's a click thing. You know, who do you, I can talk to anybody. You know that Ben, I, yeah. I can talk to anybody. Yeah. Some By the way, yeah. so let me go back to where you, uh, you began. That was dispersive, was, right? Yeah, that was yeah, dispersive. That was, yeah. a, that was a interesting riff. Uh, the war against black marriage, Oh man, I don't have the book. Again. Oh no, this is man. I'm, I'm, I don't have my notes in front of me. The, the book is called Black Women, Black Love: America's War on African American Marriage. And uh, oh, the author is Di Diane. Oh man, like I said, I'm getting old, man. I don't have my notes in front of me. Look it up. It's on the internet. All but right, the but point the point is, she, is, go ahead. What is like she's an Emory professor, and she took time to be on the show, which is phenomenal because America has a war on black marriage. Because when they split us up in slavery, you know, she talked about in the book the old uh, old Claudine. See, see, Ben, you go back to the old days. I don't remember ever seeing Claudine with Diane Carroll. And what's the guy that did Star Wars, Dennis? What's his name, the voice of Star Wars? He was in the movie. James Earl Jones. Wasn't he James Earl Jones. I think he was. Yes. Maybe it was somebody else. But the point is that Claudine, so the scene from Claudine, y'all, it's on It's on the internet. You can watch it on that YouTube thing where they had the A, the, the a worker come in to see where's the man. Because you got all these kids. I know you got a man and you can't get the aid if there's a man in the home. So that you had that, that with so African-Americans have always, because we've been a powerless people, we've been the descendants of the slaves. So we've always been catching hell for 400 years. That's why my other podcast is called 400 plus. And, but the point is that, so, so it's been a war against black marriage and black women, especially if you're, this is according to, man, I can't think of the woman's name. It will come to me, black women, black love. That's the book. Uh, if you're a lighter skinned black woman, you tend to get married, higher rates of marriage. The darker you are, the you have lower rates of marriage. And of course, black men, they about 27% of black men, about 24% marry outside the race, about 12% of black women marry outside the race. I'm not saying that's good and bad, but we've always had trouble holding these marriages together, holding our relationships together. I think, uh, and thus we had this crime. That's why I like to talk about Lori Lightfoot and the crime. And people wonder why, and I, I say this, I see this on your old radio show. Remember your radio show back in the day, Ben? Uh, yeah, I was on radio, <laughs> uh, WC later. I used to tell people to um, roll through the hood. And, and I'm not doing Uber anymore, but I have another job where I uh, go through the neighborhood. I don't talk about that right now. And you go through the hood. I'm in the hood. So I always tell people, go down Halstead. I mean, way south. Go down King Drive. Go down Cottage Grove. Go down Ashland. I'm just talking about the south side now. I'm not even get to the west side. You will see the income inequality. It's devastating. My neighborhood is probably going to be in decline. That's why I talked to Mary Patillo about the decline of, of the neighborhoods. A lot of it is, is, 
it's racism, it's capitalism, it's, but it's also, we have this distrust of each other as a people. And that's why I can get a Neil Steinberg, a Jewish person. I have a whole list of Jews I'm supposed to give you, all the Jews I had on my show bed, right? <laughs> Including you. <laughs> and so because they're more self-actualized than, than the Negroes are, I have an easier time getting a Neil Steinberg on versus an equivalent African-American. And, that, and that's our problem. So when you see the young man, the two young men, I think who shot the older, but well, he didn't shoot him. They tried to carjack this older 72-year-old man in Hyde Park, and he mm-hmm. died of a heart attack. They're gonna, they'll be up for murder. It's a tragedy on every level. It's a, and and, and as, a, as a people, as a city, as a country, we have to stop the computer. You can't stop the crime. I said, you can, this country is nuts compared to, you talk to your European friends who live in Europe, other parts of the world. This country is nuts. It's with the way it was made. We had slaves. We've been beating the slaves down for for 400 years only because, I, let me tell you something, I'm going off about the racism. Racism is very simple. It's called fairness. See, Dennis, is, he lived near uh, uh, East St. Louis. He understands how these dynamics work. Why should you let somebody else, why should you have an eating playing field of fairness because that other person and their people could rule over your people in a generation or two? Why would you do that? I mean, I don't even go into the uh, uh, Palestinian and, and the Israeli conflict, but it's just natural. When you're in power, you want to stay in power, and you want to have a foot on your neck on anybody that, remember the scene, I said this before on the show, remember that scene from Godfather 2? Think Godfather 2. Which and I'm going to give it all the way. Think Godfather 2. So they were trying to get this young man, he was like seven years old in Italy, and he was running away. They said, get him, because if you don't get him, he's going to come back and kill us all. <laughs> remember that scene? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember he, came, he did come back and kill him. Yeah, uh, I don't want yeah. to give the movie away, but they did. he did come back. <laughs> give the movie away. It's only, that movie's only 50 like, years, 50 years old. <laughs> old. <laughs> well, give it away. seen Godfather 2. Come on. By the way, uh, so a tangent here, and then we'll get back to Mark. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood which is one of my favorite movies, QT, Quentin Tarantino. He came out with the novelization, the novel, and I actually re- I bought it immediately, read it. Uh, just Yes, matter of days, I'm utterly obsessed with the entire uh, uh, the entire uh, story. But it's funny, whenever I talk about it, I go, well, I don't want to give away you know, what happened in the movie. And I'm like, anybody who's listening to this has seen the movie. They know what happens in Once Upon a uh, even you, Mark Sims, has seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But if you're from Los Angeles, from that era, what was that? Late uh, 1969. Okay, 1969 late 60s, was the year. Okay, late 60s. If you're from that era and you're from L.A. and you're from Hollywood, that's probably your favorite movie because he really did a great job in that movie. No, it, I'm not from that era, although I was in Los Angeles in 1971, a long story, but, but I was like eight years old, so I remember bits and pieces. But the point is, I didn't get a chance to roll through Hollywood to get that real flavor, but I, but I sort of understand it, what I remember of L.A. in the early 70s, in like 71 to be exact. Wow. He hit it on the head in that movie. Which, yeah. And what's the, what's the guy named DiCaprio? Damn, the well, Caprio was excellent. Yeah, the book's excellent too. We're going to do a whole deep dive on the book, but that's a whole other thing. It's just when you said that thing about, I don't want to give anything away. The Godfather 2, everybody has seen The Godfather 2. The Godfather 2 is constantly running on cable TV. Somewhere right now, The Godfather 2 is running. And I've but seen like point. bits of But the point is that you don't want to be fair with people if you, if you see them as an enemy. You, I mean, and it sounds nasty, it sounds evil. But if I wasn't, when you're in power, you want to remain in power. And so, and, and, and so I understand racism because it's, it's just human nature. It's just all over the world. You know, that's just how it is. Humans, well, humans. No, uh, you're, uh, and one thing I have to say about Mark, he's been consistent on this point. 
about crime being a paramount issue uh, in the city of Chicago. And this goes back to the days when you would come on the old radio show and you would talk about crime. And it's very bizarre. But so I occupy, I was given the little space for quote unquote progressive talk. And in progressive talk, you didn't talk about crime. You know, it's like, we because had you, the, the station was on the northwest side. It was on the northwest side. It was like a mile south of a, 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 a what's the dog? What's the hot dog stand with the two hot dogs on top of the building? Uh, I Super know. Dog. Yeah, Super. It was like it was up down the street from Super Dog. No, no, I'm not, but the, I'm not saying, I'm saying the, it's a no, it's a different planet than the far south side. That's yeah, okay, yeah, it's a different planet. But I'm just talking about the the plan, the the mindset of yeah. progressives. They could not deal with the issue of crime, crime as an issue itself. Follow me on this one, Mark Sims. It's difficult to deal with because people don't know how to fit it into the usual narratives that control their political worldview. So is crime a result of a failure of human beings to be, uh, to follow all the basic rules is just that they know they should follow, but there's just something wrong with them. They can't, or is crime a result of your upbringing, which with, and with inequities and have led you to down the path of crime, uh, resolving disputes by taking a gun is that, and, and settling it is the problem the notion that you can resolve a dispute with a gun or is the problem, the notion that the gun is available. Nobody knows really it's a struggle, Mark Sims, to figure these, to put these very difficult questions into a narrative that we could, that makes us feel good about like how we vote, who we vote for, what we believe in. And so when you get to liberal talk, you don't, people don't want to talk about crime. Do you follow yeah, what I'm saying? They don't want to talk about it because they don't live in those neighborhoods. That's all it is. They don't live in those neighborhoods. If you live in those neighborhoods, you you have a whole, totally different perspective. I mean, uh, I see my neighbor. I, I, I can sort of predict. I could be wrong. Let's say the neighborhood is in decline in the next 10 years. I have the money. I'm not rich, but my house is paid for. We're stacking the money away. So if we have to move, we can get the hell out of here. But the point is, <laughs> the point is that. It really doesn't have to be that way. But we live in a world, especially this capitalism we live in America, it's about profit. It's about nothing else. It's all about profit. It's disgusting. And if we don't, and when I say crime, people don't understand. I'm, I wish I want to do a TED talk. I'm just too lazy to write the TED talk because I'm trying to link black crime in Chicago, places like Chicago. It's really connected to everything. It, I mean, Afghanistan, whatever. It's, it's, you can all connect this stuff, but people don't want to go there because I'm really talking about equality. And real fairness to stop the crime in Chicago anywhere, you have to have equality and fairness. It's like, I mean, it's tough. It's a tough thing. Like I said, if I'm not, I talk to people from University of Chicago. I'm going to work on getting some people from the crime lab from University of Chicago on the show. I had one guy who's connected, but I want to talk about crime because we have too many smart people in this town. We have Northwestern University. We have the University of Chicago. We had Mayor Lloyd Lightfoot. You can end this, but you but to end the crime, you almost have to mess with the ecosystem. The ecosystem is very simple. Everybody makes money off of crime. I mean, because you, you need more police, judges, jails, 
counselors, social workers. You, I mean, you, everybody's making money off of a few people, percentage-wise, off their dysfunction. Everybody's making money. And of course, naturally, I'm not, I would never say defund the police because I don't believe in that defund the police. That's just too extreme, right? And, but you want to change, slowly change funding to stop the problem. Like Mayor Lori Lightfoot, I think she's come out with a proposal today or whatever, about a $1 million to stop gun violence. See, that's a political thing. I'm not saying she's wrong, but she has to do some political because you talk about, we're going to make sure that every child can read in this town. That we can fix their dyslexia, dyslexia. If they have need glasses, if they got issues at home, they get to wrap around services. But see, those are long-term solutions where you may not see the fruits for five and ten years. People are like, no, nah, I want to put those Negroes in jail now. Put them poor Mexicans in jail now. And so, so it's easier to talk about reducing guns versus teaching people to freaking read. Give them a skill. And then, of course, the real hard part is that when this capitalist system we have right now. There's not enough good jobs, quality jobs for everybody. That's the really scary thing people don't want to understand. There's not enough good jobs in this country. And we almost have to uh, um, alter our capitalism. Otherwise, not just the far south, parts of Rose and parts of Inglewood. Those are third world neighborhoods. A lot of this country is going to be third world if we don't do something as soon. This is why they, the Democrats are throwing money at uh, Biden and, and Pelosi are throwing money at Chuck Zuber because they're throwing money at the problem because they know you're going to have riots in the streets. This is why you have crime. The uptick in crime is basically the long, the long version of that is this. There's not enough good jobs for people who ain't got no damn skills. All right. So you can't you can't put crime into a political narrative. I start off by saying it doesn't fall easily into a political narrative, and you just put it into a political narrative. Uh, and well, it's, issue- it's already above. You know that. I mean, but the point is that the the point is that you can Mayor Lloyd Lightfoot. See, think about Mayor Lloyd Lightfoot. She's a wonderful person. She's already a multi-millionaire. She's she's fine. I want her to win re-election. I don't want her to become Jane Byrne. But the point, the point is that she's not, she's not, she probably like Ron. She may leave it uh, uh, in eight years, you know, two terms, she may be gone, but you need a long-term 10, 20 year solution that starts with literacy. And let me tell you something to go far afield because this, you, you start doing, Ooh, after I say <laughs> five years ago, I would never, before I even get to literacy as a crime stopping problem, I would talk about meditation. Now, I'm not a meditator. I was sitting in a chair and daydream because my mind is, as you can see, I have ADD and a few other issues. I'm a scatterbrain. So I cannot sit there in a chair and be quiet and do some ums and ohs and be enlightened. I have trouble doing that. But I do, conceptually, I do understand the power of meditation. I would start with meditation first. You can call it mindfulness, quiet time. You call it whatever you want. But the point is getting people to, to be quiet. I guarantee you, if you ever, like me, I, I was saying, I was telling somebody, I was telling Ben, not you. I was telling Ben that, I ain't going to say that. I was talking about the blackness. I don't have enough blackness in me to hear that beat all the time. I don't care if you're black or white or Latino or Asian. Some people like to hear music all day long. They have to have the TV all day long. They can't spend one minute of silence. I guarantee you when you go into most low-income homes, those homes are loud. Not all of them. There's always the phone, somebody on the phone, somebody on TV, somebody coming in and out. So a lot of children grow up with no silence, no peace. And so we have to, so I would say meditation is the first thing that I would do. But if I was mayor of Chicago, they were like, oh, he's gone to the moon. He's marrying <laughs> Williamson now. The mayor of Chicago wants us to meditate to stop the crime. 
I mean, you can't do it politically because people go nuts. But no, I, I listen. We listen to you. First of all, I agree with you. Actually, uh, that that last part. I mean, you you said a lot of things on that riff. I mean, uh, that was like Hendricks, like, and you just covered a lot of terrain there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the meditation, I'm with you 100. percent I try to calm down, which is very difficult for me because I'm a little like you. I'm all over the place. Uh, but one thing you said, I'm going to come back to it uh, on that Hendricks like riff is that you want Lori Lightfoot to win reelection. And then you just went on to a hundred other things. So you voted for Rom. You wanted Rom to win reelection. You probably still be voting for Rom if he's on the ballot. Damn right. Uh, and uh, so why do you, uh, why do you want, what is it about Lori Lightfoot that you like that you want her to be no, real? It's only one thing. You introduced me to Lori Lightfoot at your at your radio show. <laughs> I mean, yes. the podcast. The podcast in the Suntans building. Yeah. So and I you, met Lori Lightfoot in person. I gave Lori Lightfoot money that day. I never give anybody money. I don't give bums on the street money. But I gave her money just to <laughs> kiss her booty. That's why I gave her money. To kiss her booty. And so the point, let me, let me say that again. Wait, I remember we were just teasing before you came in the air about how when she walked into the studio, you turned around and walked out. And I was no, like, I this, let me say this again. She was going to be the next mayor of Chicago. And I, and I shouldn't be on your, her podcast, which is your podcast, stealing her thunder. Trying, I mean, no way. And I, but the thing, I don't want to talk about that. It's, it's the videos out there. People want to see it. The main right. thing about Lori Lightfoot, I blew, I blew that because, I always tell kids, anybody else, you have to be prepared for situations. I was not prepared to meet Lori Lightfoot. That was my big chance. I was not prepared. All right. So wait, we're going to take a break because Google Meet, uh, which uh, is. uh, So after these messages, we'll be right back. We'll be right back. So uh, Dennis knows how knows the procedure. He's cool and calm. Mark and Ben are a little nervous, but Millennial Dennis is is in control. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back with Mark Sims explaining why he wants Lori Lightfoot to win re-election. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from my apartment and his attic. Yes, we did the little uh, Google Meet bootleg thing, which... (laughs) The Google Meet bootleg thing. Google Meet, I'm just going to say something while we wait for uh, Mark Sims to figure this thing out. Uh, now Mark's calling me again. Let's do this one again, D. I love this one. This is great uh, live podcast. Hello, Mark. Oh. I'm on the air again, and you're calling me because you haven't figured out how to use the Google Meet thing, right? You should do speakerphone so we can all hear. <laughs> he says the thing's go- going around and around. Oh, brother. All right, there, there we, we go. go. I just, it just popped uh, in. Here we go. Yeah, man. Like... You know, the funny thing is, is that... Uh, no, let me tell you what happened. I failed okay. Fortran and Cobalt like 45 years ago at Finger High School. Okay, that's my problem. I never All right, well, let me just finish my thought. Google Meet, you are so cheap. I'm just going to throw that. Google is worth gazillions. It's one of the wealthiest corporations in existence. Why'd you put this cap on Google Meet? Sorry. Because they want you to pay, Ben. Yeah, hey. I, we may be the only podcast in America that does their entire show on Google Meet. So. <laughs> no, we're, we're, we, I, I made an executive decision. Uh, breaking news. We're going to get a new uh You're going to pay for it, too, aren't you, Ben? You're you pay for it. You know, you get what you pay for in this world, and I'm willing to pay for it. And uh, uh, if, 
folks, if you saw what Dennis has stitched together to make this work, <laughs> it is unbelievable. You have a Dennis being, I mean, you have a Dennis being to do your show. I got to do everything. I got to do the little mixing board. It's only two tracks, Dennis, but, it's, but it, two tracks is too much for me. I got to do my own sound and engineering and do the interview at the same time. It drives me nutty. Uh, I can tell you right now, I would not exist. On podcast without Dr. D. There's, everybody <laughs> oh, knows it. Nice. And, and let's give a shout out to DJ Nate, uh, who does the weekend shows. Uh, he does a great job as well. But uh, yeah. And I was just talking to DJ Nate about this yesterday. We were talking about other podcasters who do it on their own. And I'm like, what the hell, podcasters? Go out, hire yourself a producer, pay the producer, and move on with life. All right. Uh, Mark. So you were saying before we uh, got rudely cut off by Google Meet and talk about rapacious capitalists, uh, you were saying that you, Lori, Lightfoot. Lori Lightfoot, you wanted to vote for again, and then you went on a tangent about how you met her in my studio, uh, and then I reminded everybody how you ran out the door. It's, uh, but anyway, neither here nor there. Um, why? What have you seen from Lori Lightfoot in these first two years that leads you to say you would like her to be mayor for another four years after that. I, I want her for the same reason when I saw her run for mayor years ago. Uh, she wasn't, uh, she wasn't a politician. I mean, she, she never held political office. That's the first thing, which is good and bad. As we see it's good and bad to, uh, she's a black woman, you know? So I like that. You know, we're like the same age. In fact, she's only like two weeks older than me, maybe a week and a half. And uh, the other, the other, I mean, I don't get into people's personal business, but you know what I'm talking about. She checks off all the boxes for this modern time. She's a perfect candidate for this modern time. And but I want Lori Lightfoot. Who's the guy who runs Chris Welch? Uh, who's he? Speaker of the House. What's that guy's name? Right. Speaker yeah. of the House. Yeah, State Speaker Representative House. Chris Welch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's his nickname? Uh, well, his nickname is Chris. His first name is Emmanuel. Oh, that's what it is. Okay. <laughs> see, yeah. you see, I keep up with the politics. <laughs> I listen to the Ben Jarofsky show every day. And came right but I want, uh, I want all these politicians, okay. I mean, to yeah. really, they really care about the future of Illinois and future of, you know, Illinois citizens and Chicago. They should have term limits. Term limits is not the you know, end all be all. And I'm going to start sending stuff. I said one thing on Twitter to a, a Speaker Welch. Because I want him to have term limits, and it's for future people, future aldermen, state reps. Hey, I saw your boy on in High Park the other day. What's his name? Robert Peters, man. Yo, state uh, state senator Robert. Yeah, I saw him, man. Yeah. I saw. Hey, what's up? I, I, talk, I mentioned your name, then I emailed his people, and they ain't, they ain't got back to me yet. So I, <laughs> you know, when you when you did when you try to get people like him on your on your podcast, you got to deal with their people. I don't know who Lori's people are, but you know, got to deal with that people and the, and the gatekeepers, which is a total drag. But So anyway, so what, so in other words, you want I like, Lori I like re- her. I like her. I want her to win. So it's got nothing to do with how she runs the city. It's got nothing to do uh, with her no, programs she's, and no, vision she's, and run, she's running the city fine. People have to understand, we went through a pandemic. See, people understand you have to really, to really access what you go through what you're going through this pandemic, you, you'll be telling your grandkids or great grandkids, or they'll be listening to your podcast 50 years from now saying, this is what they were talking about during the pandemic, the great pandemic. We went through that. We lived through that. Folks died. Folks got sick. Folks lost their job. I had to change careers. People had opportunity to change careers, change their life. The pandemic was, was it, we lived through it. So we don't see it as epic right now. We don't. And then now we, we, we may see, 
uh, and the stock market is uh, is not the economy. I'm discursive now, <laughs> but the stock market is not the economy. But we, we some people predicted a dip in the market because it's just it's out of control now with all this money flowing. I mean, and it won't affect regular folks per se. Well, maybe it, maybe it will. But what I'm saying, people understand the times we live in are epic. So you had a mayor who just got in the office and had to deal with a freaking pandemic. Some people say she did a good job. Some people say did a bad job. That's not the point. The point is that she's doing a good job. What the hell do you want? So the well, crime, that is the point, Dad. No, 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 but I'm the people. But I mean, you ask people, what do you freaking want? So if you, if you, what's his name, Thompson? Thompson? Who's the guy who's uh, the alderman down there? Not, I forgot his name. I think it's First Ward or something, maybe Second Ward. But the point is that they want to stop the crime. They don't want the scary Negro children, teenagers, and young people going downtown. I understand. I remember Brian the child. Hopkins. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, and no, oh, then they have the you know the uh, the the State Street guy. I mean, oh, oh, Michigan now. Oh, we don't want the scary negro scaring the tourists, the raiding the shoppers. Oh, the scary negro. You talk about Forty Second Ward Alderman Brendan Riley. Yeah, all of them. It's all these people. Mark Sims and I have been conversing for so many years that I can read his mind. It's almost like we're a married couple. So when he goes down a lot. Uh, to be uh, to me, man. <laughs> it's be worse than Oscar Madison and Felix Unger for you older people that remember those guys. Okay? Yes, I remember. Love the show, The Odd Couple. Okay, okay. All, right, All right, go right. ahead. Continue. So, but the point, the point is that I remember as a wee small child, they used to have the uh, the New Year's Eve celebrations countdown with some guy named Kennedy. Can't think of his name now. He was at Channel Seven. He had a show called Kennedy and Company on Channel Seven. His name was Kennedy. You can find him on the, in the internet. And so he they used to have a countdown on State Street by the Chicago Theater and and, uh, and Old State Lake when Channel Channel Seven is still there. And you would be a sea of white folks, right? This is, had to be late 60s. Then by the early 70s or whatever, it was number of black folks downtown at the countdown. I used to see uh, the late, great John Coughlin. I think he's the weatherman of Channel 2, WBBM-TV. And he was, they were throwing snow. He was on top of the Walgreens building over there. And they were throwing snowballs at his behind. He's lucky he didn't get shot. <laughs> but the point is that my people took over downtown. It was scary. You remember how it used to be? You remember the, the Staten Lake. The old movie houses, Chicago, Night of Artists, McVickers, Roosevelt. I'm probably missing Michael Todd. I'm missing a few. But so the, so the Negroes came downtown. He had the black exploitation movies. All that. So, so, but those days when all the Negroes were downtown, those are long gone. Daly came in and cleaned it up and blah, 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 and Disney-fied everything. And now the Negroes have come back. And these younger people don't have the they. They don't, these younger people don't give a damn of what white folks think. They really don't, okay? They were born in the 2000s or something. Not even the 90s. They were born in the 2000s, maybe late 90s. So they're teenagers, early 20s. They don't give a rat's ass about what white folks think about them being downtown on Michigan Avenue. So the point is that, that, that uh, it's things that it's funny how everything is old is new again. So how do we keep those Negroes away from downtown Chicago? Scaring the people. But I want the scary Negroes to stay downtown. That's why I'm glad Lori Lightfoot is doing, what, what is it called, invest, invest Southwest? So you have things on the far south side, in the west side, in your neighborhood, so you don't have to go downtown and scare the white folks in Michigan Avenue and scare the tourists at the Bean, right? You know what I'm saying? But so, so it, it's a, I want Lori Lightfoot to do that, but she has to set the plan, and hopefully the next mayor, six years from now, whoever that is, uh, can keep it moving. Now, we have you to know, have uh, that, down. Uh, that was a great riff as well. The portion of your riff that I will now uh, pull out and deconstruct further is the part where you talk about uh, how white people find black people scary. 
And there's another topic that you're not allowed to talk about uh, on on radio, progressive radio, uh, any radio. But what you're getting at is something very real. And lots and lots of white people. Notice I say lots and lots because I don't want to say it's across the board. Do find black people scary. Lots and lots of white people do find black people scary. Lots of lot of black people find black people scary. Okay. Troy Laramier was honest. He came on this show. We talked about this. You remember that. I don't know if you do remember that. But the conversation, like when you see a group of kids coming your way and you make a judgment about them. And Jesse Jackson, I remember I remember when uh, Jesse Lewis Jackson confessed that he has a different attitude. And that that about uh, like a group of young black kids coming his way. And by the way, his quote has been used by so many uh, MAGA people to like justify their own hatreds and fears. But you're you're right. on. You're right on. Mark, and that notion that there are too many black people in the downtown's business section is sort of like the underpinning of so much of the philosophy when it comes to strategy, when it comes to planning in the city of Chicago that nobody will ever admit to. But you're right. It, you're right. Yeah, I cannot uh, argue with you. I've been around a lot of conversations with white people. I've hear what they say and, and their fe- their fears are legitimate being they are uh i mean let's face it it's a recent story i don't know all the details young man i think he lived he, he went to school like him glenbar north what is that glenview or somewhere's glenbar brook north Glenbrook it's in north? northbrook it's where neil steinberg lives oh, okay i get a mix a mixed up oh that's a school right on uh, deerfield road then right yeah, uh, see, now that's where no, you it's, know. It's, okay, well, I don't know right. roads. I just uh, know that Clemberg North is anything north, north of Howard, you don't know where it is, right? <laughs> that's <laughs> okay, not true. You anything north of the Baha'i Temple, you don't know where that is. Right? <laughs> anything south of Baha'i Temple, I yeah, do. You don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. That's my no. That's my area. Everything north of Baha'i. So he, I don't, was, he was up there in Northbrook, and he came to visit his dad in an Austin neighborhood and got shot and killed. Uh, there was a young young woman. She, you know, there's a lot of white folks ain't really white. You know what I'm saying? You found out they're Palestinian or one of their parents or whatever. Or, you know what I'm saying, right? There's a lot of white folks that ain't really white, right? So this one of the young ladies, she looked like she was somewhere from whatever. She didn't look white, white. But the main thing is that she was walking on, what, Franklin or something near Harrison? And one of those bombs came out and stabbed her, killed her, right? And there's been a few people, tourists, who've come to Chicago, I mean, people visiting family, friends, and they get killed. It's embarrassing, it, 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 and so we have to stop that. And and guess what? To, and to, this is what I like saying. To, to stop a lot of problems is like a, the bar. I love saying the analogy. Uh, bar rescue or restaurant rescue. You have to change people's behavior. It sounds bougie when I say that. You got to change the poor, proletarian Negroes. Their behavior is pretty bad. You got to teach them bourgeois sensibilities to stop the crime. Yeah, you sure to do. You should do it. But it's really the environment. So I understand what Lori's doing about South and Southwest. She's trying to improve the environment. Thus, prove the behavior of poor people, which is part of the, part of it. But like I said, let me say this again three times: literacy, literacy, literacy. I'm going to have a lady on my podcast tomorrow to talk about dyslexia. I, I mean, and, and, and I had people. This is the second person I'm had about. I'm going to have a few shows more in future about dyslexia, the science of reading, of uh, implicit phonics instruction. For a lot of people like me, back in uh, in grammar school back in the day in the 70s, I started school in 70, uh, 67 to be exact. The point is that. They need intensive phonics uh, 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 instruction. All right, you, let me ask you this. Mark. I'm sorry, yeah, when I'm you got going off now, go off on the riff about uh, street c- crime and these horrific uh, uh, 
crimes, these murders, these shootings that uh, we read about in the paper. I, re- I read about the young man who was killed from uh, Glenbrook North in today's Tribune, I think it was. Yeah. So I listen to you. I've listened to you. Uh, we've had these conversations for a long time. Do you ever find yourself drifting into MAGA country? Do you ever find yourself wanting to vote for Donald Trump? No, 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 no. You never find yourself like Tim Scott or find yourself like uh, Bo Snurdly or whatever the hell his name is? See, the Republicans, I would probably agree with them maybe 20%. 20% of the time. Like, like, I I go by the old 80-20 rule. Maybe the Republicans are right. I agree with them maybe 20% of the time. But 80%, hell no, right? Forget about it. It's, It's very basic. Uh, we talked about scary Negroes downtown. That's been the history of this country. What to do with these Negroes? First, they were slaves. Then they got free after the Civil War. What did we do with them? We had Reconstruction. Now, I know they had some free folks in the North, that kind of stuff. What did we do? They built a housing project. I mean, Daly built the housing projects here in Chicago. Then his son tore them down purposely to, I mean, one of the reasons is to move the Negroes out of Chicago, which he did. Around, which I voted for him, hoping he would move poor black people out of Chicago, which he calls 50 school, which is part of the, the goal to move black. Because he's like, if we get these black people out of the out of here, we have less black folks, less crime, and maybe we can control the few that stick around. I mean, uh, you can't say that publicly if you're a politician. I'm not a politician, so I can say it. No, Chris Kennedy said it. Chris but Kennedy that's said he, it. That's why he didn't win. Chris yeah, Kennedy and when he said it, when Chris Kennedy, who was running for uh, governor as a Democrat in the primary against J.P. Pritzker, when he said it, he got hammered. He didn't say it as graphically as Mark just said it. He you said it, in, in, but it he amounted to the same thing. And uh, so I listen. I, I I still give you. I'm always going to give you grief for voting for Rom the second time. Yeah, Rob. Uh, the the first time, I mean, you were like most Chicagoans, you were just bamboozled. No, no, no. Uh, I let me say this real quick. Ron was doing what's best for the city. Like I never did voted for Daly at all for mayor. Daly did what's best, what he thought the best was Chicago. Any mayor we have, you're not going to be totally happy with. There are people who are still mad at Barack Obama for not putting the bankers in jail or whatever. You, you're not going to have a perfect mayor, perfect president, perfect governor. People have to understand that. People want perfection. You're not going to get it. You just get the best you can. And like, and like, and eventually we're going to have, you have all these black women in charge of some of these political offices. Pretty soon they'll be all Latina, a Latino, a Latina women, Latino, if you were Latina, who are going to be in charge. You can have a Latina mayor. You may have a, a, a South, uh, what do you call it? I won't say, I don't want to say South Indian. What is it? South Asian mayor. Somebody, the Indian from India descent. You're going to have a lot of that in across the country and across the, what's the guy on the Northwest where I can't say it, Krista Mia Frischi. I can't say his name. But, the congressman, yes. Yeah, the congressman, yeah. right? <laughs> and if the Democrats have changed so much in the Northwest suburbs, you know, you got to, see, I, this is politically incorrect. You know, people are listening. We're on the on the air. You got yes, the Indian, which is cool, right? Right? But you had the Indian dude be the governor of uh of uh, Louisiana. He he was uh, talking about running for Bobby Jindal. He was a joke. Yeah, All right, he, now he, he uh, I don't know where you're going with this particular ref. So stop I'm the crime. Stop the crime. That's why I'm going. Go all these okay, guys stop the crime. 
All right, uh, stop the crime. I have no idea. Just, just say this, folks. How closing fifty schools is going to stop any crime? I just said oh, you move you you the, you the Negroes. You move the Negroes out of Chicago. That lessens less Negroes, less crime. It's very simple. Well, that may have been the at the back of the mind of Rahm and his uh, cronies when they made these moves. But I haven't seen any crime stop in the city of Chicago. So no, I'm just saying, crime. maybe you want to try a new. No, no, the crime will only high because of the pandemic. You're going to see. Through Lori Lifer's effort, demographic changes, the crime is going to go down. Black folk, let me tell you something about black people. We kill each other because we don't like each other. I'm telling you, we've been, all been programmed. I have, I tell you off the air all the time, I have a lot of self hate. You live all your life, black is bad, white is good. You see that all your life. This is why some black men or some black women marry outside the race. I ain't saying that's the total reason, but that's part of it. That's why darker skinned sisters marry less than the lighter skinned sisters, because we've all been programmed. That's part of the reason, not total reason, but part of the reason. We've all been programmed, dark is bad. White is good. The good guys wear the white hat, and the bad guys wear the black hat, and it goes on. Devil's food cake is black. Or dark. And the angel school food cake is what? White. <laughs> so we all kind of programmed on this. I'm joking and serious at the same time. And so, like I said, it's very simple. My thing is, is, is literacy, literacy. And we never wanted to, we see public schools are funded by what? Local property taxes. So, and so the so schools are better and well met versus Harvey, Illinois. Duh, duh, duh. Yeah. Here we are. All right, and and, and like people that. should go to Harvey. Nothing wrong with Harvey. Go through Har go through Harvey or Dixmore or some of them towns out there. And then go through what's the town just north of Wilmette? You know that town. Winnetka. No, the little small one. Kenilworth. Kenilworth. Yeah. Go through uh, Kenilworth. <laughs> all right. Uh, so uh, I told you I was going to ask you about Bill Cosby. We're going to close with your thoughts on Bill Cosby. Oh, you you want me, huge... Now you want me to get in trouble now. I can talk about <laughs> Wait a minute. You, would now, now you want me to get in trouble now? Publicly. <laughs> and the women would just, I mean, no, the funny about I'll Bill probably Cosby. probably get fired from more stations for putting know, you on. I know, I know. But it's very simple. <laughs> Without stepping into Bill Cosby, I drove Bill Cosby when I was a limo driver. Really nice guy. I think he's guilty. Okay, now let me say this really close without getting this is a podcast. So I can, on your old radio show, I may not even do this because, you know, but no, I can't say that. I don't incriminate myself. When you're a kid, you let's say you're a kid. I mean, like grammar school, you may love tap somebody. Right. Love tap. Right. You can do that maybe in sixth grade or something, but you do that as a high school kid that could be considered sexual assault. When I went to high school, when you went to high school, Everson Township, I don't think Everson, I mean, sexual assault was in the dictionary. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was, it was, a, it was and so, and so I'm, I'm, I'm making a leap from, 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 from petty little things like, you know, love taps or smack, touching somebody's booty, like little, whatever, just still, but to sexual assault. Bill Cosby is probably a criminal. I don't have the facts. He's probably a criminal. On the other side of Bill Cosby, just like R. Kelly, uh, you have daughters. Say, I have one daughter. You got two. Uh, I would tell my daughter, if you go to Bill Cosby's house, or any man's house or apartment or whatever, you got to really think about it because you get yourself in a sticky situation. Okay? Trust me. I'm in my late 50s. I can't do the things I did 40 years ago, but you come over my house now. You, I'm in the basement right now on the far south side. You come over my house right now. It's on. 
like Donkey Kong. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you got to be careful. I'm not. I'm not putting. I'm not putting the onus on women. You are though. No, no. Wait, but, wait, as soon as you say, I know. Uh, but, but you know, it's like it's like Mike Tyson. Remember, like Mike Tyson in a racist Indiana. Come on, you go over to man's house or uh, uh, whatever two o'clock in the morning. It's on. Like the old song said, "You ain't gonna get it on. Take your dead ass home." But the difference is, is that Bill Cosby. Yes, I, I say he was guilty. Yes, probably. Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, he was guilty. He was convicted, yes. so he was guilty in a court of law. Yeah. Uh, but you, which I think, what you're saying is that you believe that he drugged women and then raped. I don't have, I don't have proof, but I just know I know men are capable of that. I've been a man. I don't have the testosterone levels I had when I, like I said, 30 and 40 years ago. But man, when you have them when you're young, younger, people. I don't know women may not understand this. I don't know what women go through. I know what men go through. When I was a kid, uh, you know, after that, you know, you just had testosterone. It was just like strong. But as you get older, trust me, uh, Ben, my get up and go has got up and went alone. <laughs> and I All wish right, I could back. But when I'm saying those that you make the leap from being a, a natural man to being a predator. And believe me, people don't want to talk about it. Was our kid in incest? What's the other term? I mean, all that stuff goes on in families. When when I was let me tell you something. When I was a kid, because I was over the caution, I understand some of the Muslim pe- Muslim people put the women in burkas and stuff. Uh, and, 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 and when my my daughter's growing up, I don't want to get too personal. My daughter's growing up, even she's a little girl from growing up, a little girl. And we said fights fights about this with her. I mean, we didn't have a fault. We argued about it a little bit when she was a teenager. I would say even she's a little girl, no tank tops, no two tops, no halter tops, no skin, no no skin, because I know what men are capable of. Teenagers. Grown ass man, I know what goes on. You want to send a message? If you touch this girl, it's it's bad news. When you're a teenager or twenty year old, you remember those good old days, Ben. You say that girl, I probably could get somewhere with that girl. I need to back See, off. See, I disagree what? with you hundred percent. I Wait. disagree with you hundred percent on this. Well, some I, people gonna agree with me. They at home saying, "Yeah, Mark, you're right." Right. I know a lot of people are probably agreeing with you, but I disagree with you. And I I got a feeling your daughter disagrees with you. And yeah, wait till, until she until she has a daughter of her own. Then she say, "Daddy got some sense." Uh, <laughs> Daddy was right. You're waiting for that day to come, Mark Sims. You're gonna wait. No, a long no, no, time. no. Remember, the older I just your disagree parents, with remember you. The older, the older, before you before you disagree with me, the older your parents get, the smarter they get. You know that, right? I've heard that line. Uh, I'm not quite sure it's true. I've heard that line. Uh, I seen the quote. I'm not quite sure it's true. <laughs> Uh, but I completely Smart disagree point, with you. You're putting the onus on the woman. Some of the and onus, the onus, onus, onus on women. Bill Cosby did what he did. It wasn't because a woman was wearing a tank top. It's because B- Bill Cosby has some, to put it mildly, some issues. And what uh, I struggle with to a certain degree when it comes to people like Bill Cosby is, like, am I complicit because... I really liked Bill Cosby when I was young. And you know what, Mark, I have to tell you this. Since Bill Cosby got in trouble, everybody comes on the show and goes, well, I didn't like him. I, I just want to say that. I didn't. You would think that nobody watched the Bill Cosby show. Nobody bought Bill Cosby records. Just listen. It's amazing. I watch the Cosby kids every Saturday morning. Yeah, so it's like Back at least you're day. honest about it. But I didn't really like him. That's what everybody says. No, but what they're what they supposed to say is very simple. It's, it's why you have racism. There was a very famous psychologist named um, Amos Wilson. He said, why do white people all over the world treat African people so bad? They do this because they can, because they have the power to do so. 
set for a lot of people, sex and power is real. What's the, what's the, uh, Henry Kissinger? He said, I think I'm, I may be wrong to quote Henry Kissinger said that sex is the ultimate aphrodisiac. No, it's power. Power. Well, I mean, power. Power. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Power is the is a great is a great aphrodisiac. The point is that Bill Cosby had money and power, and believe me, when you have power, it tends to be abusive. I never had that kind of people have power and sex and power, man. It's real. People It's real. Bill Cosby could have been caught a long time ago. He probably should have gone to jail a long time ago, but a lot of people looked away. So when they, when they, when they condemn Bill Cosby or they condemn uh, uh, R. Kelly, anybody else of that flavor, there's a lot of people who looked away. A lot of people. And the list goes on and on. What's the guy who, Jer- Ep- not Epstein, what's the other guy, the movie producer, what's his name? Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein. There's a lot of people, men and women. You know what? All and, uh, away. I got to tell you this. I've uh, been utter, utterly obsessed uh, with Quentin Tarantino lately because uh, he came out with his book. And so I've been listening to a lot of podcasts in which he, he's promoting his book. So he's going on podcasts. He hasn't come on my podcast or yours yet. And I don't know if that'll happen. Uh, could you imagine just a few questions with Quentin Tarantino? Boy, Mark Sims would <laughs> I mean, so jealous. Well, I asked him one question, let him talk. It's very simple, you know. Yeah. Come on. But anyway, uh, so I think it was on the Joe Rogan show where uh, Joe Rogan asked uh, Harvey Weinstein, excuse me, asked Quentin Tarantino about Harvey Weinstein. And Harvey Weinstein produced a lot of Quentin Tarantino's early movies, uh, like Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, a lot of these great classics that people love. I'm speaking for myself. And now you have to deal with that. Like you see that Miramax name uh, on the movie, the movie that you love. You see Weinstein's name on the movie that you love. And that Quentin Tarantino's response was everybody knew what was going on, but they didn't know the extent of it. And they treated it as though that it was the old tale of a uh, producer chasing a starlet around the desk. That's kind of paraphrasing him. Uh, And that that was just how things went in Hollywood. And Mark, I listened to that, Mark, and I realized that people just didn't want to know. You, you know, and, no, and the point uh, is that it's, it's a man's world. And didn't uh, James Brown had a song like that? Yes, it's a man's, it's a man's world. world. Oh, my God. Speaking of which, I will close. I got to tell you this. Somehow or other, I was in one of those um, YouTube dives where you go into YouTube and an hour later you pull yourself out and go, what have I just done with my life? I've watched an hour's worth of old videos on YouTube. I've stumbled upon James Brown on a Italian, Italian show, Mark, from 1971. And he did, this is a man's world, uh, sex machine, a couple, these Italian, they didn't know what, I have a hard time understanding what James Brown is saying. And I speak English. These Italians, you know, they had no idea uh, what James Brown, but they loved James Brown. They were going crazy for him. Anyway, it's tangent with the tangent. The point is that Weinstein and people like him get away with it because it's a man's world. It's a man's world. And so, and people got to understand when I was a kid, the, the women's live movement was jumping off. I didn't understand it. Billie Jean King. And what's the guy she beat when the tennis thing, Bobby Riggs or something. And the point is that people got to understand women could, women couldn't get a credit card unless they husband okayed it or something in the seventies. People have to understand men, men, women, women were basically property of men up until like the seventies. So and so you have to put this you got to put Bill Cosby in a full context of men ruling the world and subjugating everybody. And you and also have to put it and and uh, attitudes toward Bill Cosby really changed when uh, the comedian Hannibal Burgess made a reference to it. 
And it was amazing. It was like overnight, it gave people permission to condemn Bill Cosby. We live in a very weird world, Mark Sims. You know that as well as anybody. We were talking about it for over 20 years and we'll probably still be talking about it for another 20 years. All right. But that's enough time years, for today. 40 years, I'm going to be here until I'm 90 something. Let's do 40 years. For, okay, You'll be 100 mean, something. Will, be cool. I'll be 100 <laughs> Mark will be visiting me. Here you go, Ben. Nurse home, 100 year old being. When, you, when you're talking to an older person, people talk a lot. Hi, Ben. Like they treat you like you're really dumb. How's it going? It's good. <laughs> Mark will be like that. Okay, Ben. Anyway, Mark Sims, I uh, want to thank you very much. We've been talking on various forms of podcasts and cable shows and radio shows since Bill Clinton was president. No, no, probably since George Bush, George W. Bush. Uh, so, Mark, one more time. I'm going to have your daughter back on the show. She was good. Yeah, she was. And and uh, her partner in crime, Cody, let's give him a shout out as well. Uh, all right. Uh Mark Sims, promote your uh, podcast one last time. Go ahead. Just a few questions. Just a few questions. Or Mark Sims on Twitter, M-A-R-C-S-I-M-S. Chicago on Twitter, man. You're the man, Ben. You, I, I won't have you back on for a while. When I need a guest, I always call Ben. I got <laughs> he does, he Let me call Ben. He <laughs> calls. Ben, come on. It's good to have yeah. friends. Tell me about it. It's good uh, to have friends. <laughs> Yes, indeed. By the way, folks, Mark was on all these riffs today about, I would say I agreed with about 70%, maybe 50% of what he said. But when he does his podcast, he asks the question and he steps back. I just have to say that. It's not Mark Sims riffing. It's Mark Sims listening. It's a different Uh, People are shocked. They see me in person like, wow, man. Uh, But when it's showtime, they say, damn, you serious. When it's showtime, being this, I really, um, I take it serious. I, I take it very seriously because um, on, on all jokes aside, somebody's going to be listening to your podcast 50 years from now and be like, who in the hell is Ben Jarofsky? Who was yeah, that guy? Yeah. We, we need to learn more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. All right, Mark Sims, thank you very much. I also want to thank Lisa Solomon, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of Jordan, Illinois, without whom this show is possible. He's doing a miracle these days with this crazy bootleg Google Meet. As Mark Sims will tell you, back home in Alton, they call him bootleg <laughs> Bootleg Denny. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. Mm-hmm.